0: Hello, and welcome to The Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about naming your big idea.
1: Mmm, I like the word naming for this.
0: Yes, it's my favorite, because it's going to be concise, it's going to be clear, it's going to be like a name. So this was inspired by an email that I received from Rochelle on her mailing list about the Mr. Rogers movie, of all things, (laughs) which I haven't watched yet, but... um, The, you know, it sounds like the premise is kind of optimism winning out over cynicism, which I love as a topic, Mm -hmm. especially these days. So what do you, I mean, can you remember off the top of your head what, or why don't you set up the premise of the conversation between the journalist and then what Mr. Rogers said? (laughs) It sounds weird to say Mr. Rogers.
1: I know. So there was a journalist, I think his name is pronounced Juno, Tom Juno, and he was writing a piece that ultimately became the cover for Esquire. And he, he was known for his investigative journalism, but his editor wanted him to do basically a puff piece on Mr. Rogers and this guy was a cynical journalist. And so he went to interview Mr. Rogers and over the course of the movie, he kind of follows him around and Mr. Rogers befriends him. And so the arc of the story. I hope I won't spoil this for anybody since it's been out for a while. The arc of the story is, you know, cynical journalist with a a wife and a new child, trying to figure this all out, thinking Mr. Rogers is a hoax, to -hmm. at the end, becoming a friend with Mr. Rogers and really understanding what he's trying to do. And he has publicly credited Mr. Rogers with changing his, his worldview. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a point in the movie fairly early on when um, I think the question Juno asked was something like, you know, why are you doing this? Because I think he had he had um, done the show for a while and then he stopped and then he came back and, and basically he said to give children positive ways to deal with their feelings. And the second I heard that in the movie, I'm like, yep, that's his big idea.
0: Mm. Yeah, everything. Right. Every, you can see how everything that's the underlying thing. Everything locks into that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like there are all these things that I remember, you know, Mr. Rogers, probably half the people listening to this don't even know what we're talking about. And it's like an old kids show. And, and I have lots, it's so old that I barely remember it. I don't remember a show. I remember it in a kind of iconic way, like the sweater and the changing the shoes and the voice and the setting. And it gives you a feeling. It gives me a feeling when I think back on it. And, and it, it's like, boom, when I read that, I was like, that, it's like, it it's the key that unlocks the secret, kind of. It's like, oh, wow. Because he never, you know, mm-hmm. you start off the show, but today we're going to give children positive ways to deal with their feelings. It wasn't this <laughs> no. corny Brady Bunch intro where, like, Mr. Rogers is here to give kids you know, it was like, under yeah. it underlied everything. It wasn't explicit. But as soon as I read it, I was like, wow, that is an amazingly concise way to tie together all of these Memories, these sort of um, dreamlike memories that I have from my youth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, the the thing about it, there's a couple of things about it that I think are amazing, and probably the exact reasons why it changed the reporter, like it transformed the writer's life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, I think one thing is that it's maybe three things. It's really concise. It's really clear, and it's really big. I don't think if you change any one of those things, I think it loses a lot of power, the power Mm -hmm. to transform other people.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's technically, it's a little long for a big idea. You know, it is a little bit long, um, but it works.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't call it like a slogan, but it's definitely, I mean, I can remember it. It's short enough for me to remember.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing to think about with the big idea. And Jonathan, I'd be curious for your view on this, because I don't know if we're on this if we agree or if we differ on this so when i think of the big idea i don't think of it as a tagline sometimes it is um but it doesn't have to be i mean to me the big idea is it's the ultimate transformation you're making in your audience but it's also what you tell yourself Mm -hmm. about what you're doing big picture with your work
0: uh yeah we probably we probably have primarily overlapping but there's probably some difference between how we view it i i I mean, honestly, big ideas kind of us talking about that here comes from you. I don't talk about big idea in my coaching. I talk about laser focus positioning, which is kind of, it's very similar, but it's not exactly the same thing. It's related. It's related. Yeah. And, and then there's a thing in, for me, the laser focus positioning statement is kind of long. You wouldn't say it to someone. It's the, it's the compass that you use to decide if something is an opportunity or if you, you should do this or that, uh, if this client is in your target market or not. It's kind of, it's almost like a little strategic um, cheat sheet or something. Mm-hmm. And it includes four variables. We don't really need to go into it. It's But it's not, it's not, um, it's very similar. There's a lot of overlap there because it has, you know, in Mr. Rogers' one, it's got a target market, children, and it's got uh a expensive problem or a big opportunity the you know a positive way to deal with their feelings Mm -hmm. so it's like and he doesn't he doesn't say what he is he doesn't say i'm a doctor i'm a tv personality he doesn't say that it doesn't matter exactly he could could change from from whatever to tv personality to uh i don't know psychologist to uh inspirational speaker author right it doesn't matter what he is it's like what his discipline is so i'd call that the discipline tv
1: is just a platform
0: Right, exactly. So it's the it's the core value proposition from an LFPS, layups of focus positioning statement, or what I would call the XYPS. So I, uh, I help X with Y. So I help <laughs> kids deal with their feelings. Uh, so anyway, so to me, it's... Um, I don't know if this is just from my songwriting past, but to me, it, it needs to be memorable. You have to be able to say it. Like, you have to be able to remember it and say it. Yes. Because that situation... Comes up with surprising <laughs> regularity. So, like, imagine if imagine if uh, this this reporter asked him why he does this, and he's like, "I don't know. I just sort of feel like kids, and I don't know. It just seems like the I don't know. He's like, <laughs> and he waffles for like three paragraphs, and then well, let me show you a PowerPoint, and and takes up, and he can't describe what he does. Like, he'd obviously yeah. thought it through. It was very clear to him, and it was a driving force. And if you can't say it to someone else, it means you probably can't say it to yourself which makes your driving force weaker even if mm-hmm. it's even if it's this even if it's there but it hasn't been like excavated or uncovered or d- clearly defined even for yourself it's going to weaken all of your efforts because yes. it's just that the lack of clarity is like uh, it makes you sluggish it makes your progress sluggish
1: it's like name it to climate. it
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to, I shouldn't say have to, but I, I just think it's a whole lot easier if you, you know what to say mm-hmm. and, and it's not like you're going out in search of it outside of yourself, mm-hmm. right? The answer's in you. It's just how you say it. Yeah. And once you say it in a way that you go, Oh, yes, that is what I'm doing. That's my, I don't want to call it a mission exactly, but it's, it's got a mission aspect to it.
0: Yeah. It could, so I, we've talked about this before. There's like mission, vision, and purpose that are all kind of, they kind of serve the same purpose in my mind. They kind of serve the same purpose. It's like, why do I get out of bed in the morning? To me, that's the answer to that question to me is your purpose. Mm-hmm. And this so you could call in my world, I could call this his purpose. I want to give children positive ways to deal their feeling. That's my yeah. purpose. You could also call it a mission. It, a vision would be, um, the result of that down the road. So the vision would be, I, I picture a future where uh, children have grown up dealing with their feelings in a positive way and have turned into well-adjusted adults. So that would be a vision mm-hmm. of the future. And then his mission or purpose would be to give children positive ways to deal with their feelings now. So that's like the current journey he's on. But you know, semantic. it's the semantics. I think it's, I think a uh, big idea for me has always been more like an insight because this isn't an insight. It's not, I don't think it's an insight to say kids should have a positive way to deal with their feelings. But uh, on the other hand, you could but say it probably that
1: was when he at did at the this. time.
0: Exactly, yeah. It probably was at the time because back then it was kind of like, you know, speak when spoken to, uh, you know, nuclear family exploding, but no punny metaphor intended there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so it probably, it probably was an insight back then where it was just like, eh, kids, whatever. I'm just going to get out of here. I'm reading the paper. Kind of Archie Bunker style,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So
0: yeah, you might you're probably right. Actually, at the time, that would probably was a pretty big idea.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you had you know Sesame Street, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. you know was it had some of that, but that wasn't the only focus. It was more. Yeah, it was way more educational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, when we look back, at anybody we kind of have to think about you know what was the time like when they came up, but but I think in any event that that. Whether we call it a big idea or we call it a mission or a purpose, it has the same impact right. because it's focused not on you and mm-hmm. what you do, but on the result of what you do, the outcome, the transformation, which, you know, we, we beat regularly on this show mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about transformation. But I think part of the reason we do that is, is it's big. A transformation is big. Yeah. and it feels big in your audience and maybe it's depending on how big your transformation is it might be something you can't even achieve in your lifetime right right what if your mission was i want to end all war forever right right i mean i don't know that you can achieve that in your lifetime maybe mm-hmm. um but yeah that's it's part of this is that it has to be big right it has to feel big i should say it has to feel big to you
0: yeah, and I think, and to the people who are hearing it. So the, yeah. that's the thing that that is remarkable and it's just like, it, it shakes you when you hear it. You're like, that's pretty ambitious. You know, like I remember, mm-hmm. I think it was on this show, we interviewed Chris Doe. And early on, he's like, I'm on a mission to change the lives of a billion people. I want creatives all over the world to love what they do. Or you know, build it's something mm-hmm. like that. Like love what they do, be, be able to make a living doing what they love. I think that's what it is. Right. So it's for creatives, and he wants them to be able to make a good living doing what they love.
1: And he put and, a number on a it. A number on it. Yeah. yeah. That's. I think that's what took us both aback a bit.
0: Right. That's that's bold. Yeah. It's and very you know, bold. what's the quote? You know, like, uh, make no small plans. They don't have the power to stir people's hearts or something like that. It's true. When he said that, I reacted viscerally. I was like, "Whoa." All right, that and that explains a lot. He's got a big team of people. They do tons of they're doing tons of stuff. He's like a big budget payroll, all that stuff. It's like, "Well, I mean, if that's your mission, you're not going to do it by yourself." Right. So, it explains a lot, you know, and, you know, more power to him. So uh, where do we want to go from here? So how? So how want do people talk
1: about how to get there?
0: Yeah, because I think we—I think it was before the show we were saying how it, it's probably already there. It's probably already in you.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: tricky part is naming it. Like, how do you get it into this clear, concise uh, statement or down, you know down to something that that is clear enough and powerful enough to drive you and the people who hear it. So where to, where does that yeah. was the that was the second half of the email I really liked it because you have a process to go through to, to help people uncover what their
1: big idea is. Yeah, I just think it's easier if you have I don't know an equation, right? <laughs> exactly. So so think about this, and we'll probably have to say this a few times to make this you know because I see this as a visual; it's hard as an yeah. as an audible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you complete this statement. You say mm-hmm. I and then insert an action verb, mm-hmm. okay? And then, insert your best audience. So I guide, mm-hmm. what, consultants, for example. And then- We'll do it and to then, me, we'll do it to me. Okay, so, all right, so, let me give you the whole statement first. So it's sure. I, action verb, and then insert your best audience, and then insert how you make your best audience feel, or some kind of an outcome that they consistently rely on. Mm-hmm. So I, Jonathan.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel like it's allegiance. What's, what's,
1: what's the action verb? Teach. Okay, so you teach, and who's your best audience?
0: Independent software developers or self-employed software developers.
1: Okay, and then what? What do you teach them? How do you make them feel, or what's an outcome that they can consistently rely on?
0: How to make more money without working more hours.
1: Okay. Perfect. Boom. So See, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you need to really think about your ideal audience in order to be able to do this. And I know that that's what a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I used some examples in the email. Um, so for example, a not-for-profit consultant said, I save kids from drowning.
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorites because it's just so powerful. There's so few words and like. I save kids? Wow. <laughs> right? I yeah. kinda wanna put the halo on their head, like right, right now. Right. Yeah. And then but you can do it for businesses too. is um, someone I work with that, that said, I create companies for CEOs, so the audience of CEOs that their customers love. Mm. And so that was a, a customer expert. Cool. So it's the, the key here, I think, this is just me, but I love an action verb that's not help.
0: Um, yeah, help is
1: too much of a catch-all. Yeah, it's very passive. Hmm. And don't get me wrong, I think the reason why most of us, if not all of us, do this is we do want to help people. We, we serve, but the key is that action verb really cements um, this idea in your, in your audience's mind of what you're doing. It's more powerful.
0: Yep, I totally agree. I I use help as a catch-all when I'm working through this with people, but I do like this better. And the, and you you can't it has to be some kind of has to be does it have to be I think in the space certainly in the space I operate it's not I do something for people because it's you can't most of the people I'm t- they're not going to do it for someone. It's like sh- it's about sharing their expertise mm-hmm. in a way that the client is going to then The client or guest or or patient or whoever student is then has to kind of run with so it's not about you know I cut your hair and then it's done and you don't have to do anything it's like I yeah action verb you know and the place all the placeholder catch all placeholder for some kind of advisory consultative coaching type of thing is help but I do love the idea of getting more specific about the verb
1: well, yeah, and when you said the cut hair, it made me think of your email series about the right. hairstylist, right? right? I, You know, I cut hair is me focused. Mm-hmm. I make you beautiful right. is you focused. Right, right? Exactly. And then the, the you is whoever the audience is. So, you know, I make professional yeah. women beautiful, or I right. make, you know, grandmas beautiful, you know, whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so, and this, that statement, when you have the outcome from that statement, it's not exactly a big idea yet. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful in terms of selling and introducing yourself and all those things. But typically, you still have to transform them just a little bit to get to the big idea. Right. right? Okay.
0: So what's so if we were going to boil mine down to the big idea?
1: Well, that's kind of cheating because hourly billing is nuts. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not.
0: Yeah, but that's different. I think that doesn't come out of that doesn't come out of the sentence that we just that just came out of my mouth. Well, it,
1: it's it's then it would be something about. Um, it, I guess it's a question of whether you lead with hourly billing, but basically, what you want to say is that is that the money that you make is not connected to how many hours you work. So, right. it's it's narrowing that down to that big idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's, it, it's funny because I like this exercise and I actually like what I just said. I haven't used the word teach as my action verb before. I like it a lot. Um, but the but if somebody asked me what my mission was, I would say to rid the world of hourly billing, and it's not. And they're they're it's not like two sides of the same coin. They're like the same thing, but because that's how I'm going to teach. That's what I'm gonna teach the self-employed software developers to do, so that they can make more money without working more hours. So.
1: So here's the question on, on yours is is hourly billing big enough as the big idea?
0: Um, maybe not.
1: And be, because I think what you said is actually bigger than that, which is um, all the different ways you can make money. Separate from that.
0: I mean, if I was going to put it, see, this has always felt more generic to me, but it's more it's more accurate. I teach software developers how to build an actual business, build a profitable business instead Mm -hmm. of what they've been doing, which is renting their hands out by the hour. So uh, renting their life away by the hour. Mm -hmm. So it's like, to me, it's, it's about creating leverage, but that doesn't, I don't find that language very persuasive or it doesn't connect with people. It's like I teach software developers how to create leverage in their business. That's what it is, but,
1: but that's not a big idea. No, I think, yeah. I mean, it's, this is why this is such an interesting exercise because mm. there's how do how do I help people, right? Because yeah. that's the answer to that question is you, you teach them how to build a profitable business. But the big idea is essentially if you want to build a profitable business, like what what do you have to do? Yeah, and I think what stop. you're saying is you have to not bill hourly. Yeah,
0: you've got to stop trading time for money.
1: There you, you have, go. You have to. That, that's it. So maybe it's stop trading time. Well, it's not stop. It's trade. It's, it's about. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So trading. here's, yeah. the, here's the thing I've always wrestled with. And we don't need to figure this out right now. And I, I don't know that there's a good answer because I've thought about it for like five years. <laughs> the thing that I Versus don't. This is our
1: five minutes. Yeah.
0: The, the thing that I have never really loved about hourly billing is nuts and stop trading time for money is all very negative. It's all, it's all fo- focused on the negative and I've turned hourly billing or timesheets into like an enemy that must be defeated. So it feels very combative to me, and I've never really loved that. Uh, It doesn't feel real aspirational and kumbaya, huggy, you know, like teaching kids how to positively deal with their feelings. It's like, it's, it, but uh, maybe it's my audience, or maybe it's, maybe I'm tapping into something that that people subconsciously have always despised, but never even questioned, because it works. Like, I know that, I know that the language that I have right now works because people immediately get it, which is the the goal for me, is like, they immediately get it. Right. So, you know, we could try and shoehorn it and, and backfill it into this format. But so I don't, here's, here's yeah, a suggestion,
1: ahead. though, because you've proven that it works. It has power to it. So for marketing and selling, it works. Um, I don't I don't know that I'm even remotely suggesting you change it. But here's the thing. If you think of a big idea as something that is going to motivate you to do even more. Mm-hmm. then the question becomes which you can answer in the wee hours of the night when you can't sleep <laughs> is what is the positive aspect of what comes out of this that really drives you like what's that transformation you know is it is it all about the money or is it about the satisfaction that the independent software developers get after they decouple their business to time like oh, what yeah, is yeah. different is so, no, it's so way that's than that. Yeah, and and that doesn't mean that you have to change your your slogan or your marketing or your book title, Um, but it might be something that you sprinkle in certain conversations or that drives you to keep exploring new ways to get them to that state. Right. Like if you so invest in your audience, you'll see things that you want to help them with to get them to that state.
0: Right. No, it's even, I mean, I know what the answer is. It's wealth creation. So like it's, which is beyond my target market It's beyond everything. If you could get rid of like the, the, the benefit of ridding the world of hourly billing is that hourly billing destroys wealth creation because it's, it's the anti leverage approach. And look at how many people bill by the hour. If all of those people instead were not trading time for money and actually pricing their work, then that would increase the wealth of their clients and them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it would be an overall wealth creation for whatever scope you want to talk about: community, culture, society, civilization. If you got rid of, I mean, that's why that's how I came up with the mission in the first place. It was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is this is uh, the hourly trap. There's probably I don't know how many people bill by the hour. A hundred wow. million.
1: I just paid my electrician yesterday yeah. by the hour.
0: I, I, it's got to yeah. be a hundred million people at least. So and, and they're just trapped. They're in this hourly trap. It's bad for them. It's bad for their clients. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I know, you know, there's, I, I know all the arguments, dear listener. Oh, but that's how it's done, and that's what they expect. And my clients are different. No, it's no, none of that is true. So anyway, the
1: big idea is around that wealth creation, exactly, because because then the the ties. To traditional jobs and traditional work are loosened or severed forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. It's almost it's almost like some of the financial advisor big ideas that I yeah. heard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When Todd Truster was on the show, he talked about a bunch of stuff that was exactly in this lane.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I, one of the things in my email actually came from his website because I wanted to use something people were, were talking about. Yeah, building extraordinary wealth for normal people. Right. I mean, isn't that interesting? For normal people.
0: Yeah. So, so okay. So, not to make this about me, I just wanted to have people hear a good example, an, an example, though. Right. Yeah. So, because it is wrestly. Like, we just wrestled with, you know, the ideas and the possible, the different ways you could word it. It's not, it takes time. It's like not super easy.
1: (laughs) It really does. And you know, one of the things that I, it really helps me when I'm working with clients on this is I'll open a, a, like a Word document, a Google doc, and I'll, I'll sit down totally focused and I'll, I'll type up everything I can think of. Right. And I'll word things different ways and, and then I'll shut the document. I never throw away anything mm-hmm. that I've written on this stuff. And then I'll keep coming back to it for however long it takes. And, you know, sometimes it's like a two week period where I just keep coming back to it because it's got to be just right. Right. And by keeping all of your iterations, you wind up at some point. After you've gone through everything, going back and seeing something that you did before, and finding a way to put it together with something else that you've written, so it's it's a little bit of you know creative process. But I I absolutely recommend you do this. Just open open a document, start to write out this stuff. Don't delete anything. No judgment. Just keep going and just keep coming back to it. Yep. And you know, hopefully, it doesn't take five years.
0: Yeah, I do the exact same thing when I'm trying to do this stuff for myself and I'm trying to work out, you know, maybe uh, a positioning. Yeah, like a lot of copywriting stuff, like a positioning statement Mm -hmm. for my workshop. Like, well, I mean, I I went back and forth on the name of my workshop like 20 times between two options. And it was just like, it's not right. It's not right. I know it's not right, but I can't figure anything better. I know it's not right. I know it's not right. And then finally, I was just like, oh, there it is. Okay, got it. And it was because I went back. I do I do it similar to you but I often will do it it doesn't work for me unless I do it publicly so uh it doesn't work as well for me unless I do it publicly so like mm-hmm. I'll I'll experiment with something in like my LinkedIn headline or my Twitter bio where I'll, I'll put it there and I hardly ever go on social media you know once a week or twice a week maybe I'll go on social media and uh, go in well lately more but uh, normally not very often and I'll come back to it and i'll be like oh yeah i changed my bio what is it now and i'll look at it i'm like that's not right i gotta take out the word i gotta take out the word now because like the the if you imagine it like sculpting and you come back to the piece and you're just like oh that i gotta sand that part right there Mm -hmm. like oh that's better yeah because of the like the the little uh, inconsistencies or the imperfections stand out when you're reacting to it to the first time Mm -hmm. another example is like when you um, you know, a few of my friends have like, you know, they're looking for new houses and stuff right now. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you go around and look at a new house or a new apartment, every single little crack and everything just jumps right out. <laughs> but oh, after, yeah. you, right? It's like you see every little right. thing because you're, you're hypersensitive to it. Cause like maybe there was a water leak or like, what's wrong with that? And how come that's not fixed? And, but you know, you live there for 10 years and there's probably twice as many cracks and chips and dents but you don't notice them at all or at least I don't yeah you don't care as much yeah you just you just got used to them Mm -hmm. so there's something about that uh seeing it with fresh eyes like if I you know if if I you know I don't know wintered in Iceland or something and then came back to our current house I'd be like oh man like was the ceiling peeling like that before (laughs) you know yes so you come back to the writing with fresh eyes and like stuff is just gonna you can react to it instead of trying to be in the creative act you can just react and be like oh that's a good one
1: well and and i think the other thing is when you look at things over and over again and you know like it, when you said it's just not right it's just not right it's not here and you're frustrated close the document yeah go away don't make a decision if you literally know this isn't right and i'm not talking about the perfectionist that can never make a decision i'm talking about you you go you know what i feel like it's maybe 90 percent of the way there but it could be better Mm -hmm. it could be better that's when you shut it down and you go away and you come back to it with fresh eyes and then you know think some more type some more look at what you've done before and when you find yourself getting frustrated leave it go do something else Mm -hmm. Um, but especially with this stuff, because it's it's so wrapped up with how we see ourselves that it's hard to be objective. That's why the going away and coming back is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like when, when I first switched out of explicitly doing... I mean, I was a software developer. That was my identity for like 10 or 15 years, and, mm-hmm. and uh, being able to get used to saying something else it took like a year and a half i mean like i just couldn't mm-hmm. you know i'd go to a barbecue or something and you're like oh what are you do? i'm a software developer yeah but i haven't done that in a while i do something different now and it's like well then why'd you say software developer
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we attach that and especially if um if you've got some kind of status from your job title Right. Right? I mean, I remember, you know, for me, you know, my proudest titles have always been when I've run my own businesses. Um, But I had a couple of like really cool corporate titles. And it was funny because when I left, it didn't bother me to leave them at all. And Mm -hmm. but for other people, they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I used to be a vice president of yada, yada, yada at, you know, so and so I Googled. I guess that would that one might be hard to let go. Um, But yeah, it's like there's all that wrapped up in how we look at this stuff. And I think the key is to find that germ of an emotional reaction to the words where you just go, yes, that is what I do. That makes me happy. I'm really good at this. Clients love these outcomes this is what I'm, you know, I'm going to deliver, or this is my goal of what to deliver. It might be bigger than what you're able to deliver right now, mm-hmm. yes. but it's still going to guide you towards that.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I see it like that. It's like a, it's like, you know, North Star, like I, that's, <laughs> or a lighthouse or a compass or something. It's like, it puts you in the right direction. The And I think the other, the other thing about it, of uh, uh, this has been true for me anyway, is that if you have this if you have this big picture thing, it it keeps you on track. It's like, you know, like those things. But when stuff's not working that great, or there's like a really, you've got this really hard thing you have to do that's, you know, the resistance, Steven Pressfield's resistance is just like attacking you all the time. Mm -hmm. It helps you kind of, uh, it gives you, mm, energy's the wrong word. It just like helps you keep going when you really want to quit. Or like when, when you're faced with a big challenge or adversity or something, you can always kind of fall back on like, no, this is the right thing to do. This is what I want to do. And you know, I just have to keep going. Like it helps get you through yes. whatever the rough patch is, it helps you get through it because you've got a purpose or meaning or a transformation that you're trying to make and you actually care about it. And you, I see the flip side of this all the time where somebody picks a target market they pick an expensive problem because they think there's a lot of money there some kind of opportunity and as soon as like it gets difficult and when i say difficult it's like i've been doing this for three months and like it's nothing's happening (laughs) it's like they quit because they didn't actually care so yeah and i hate it feels really it's like I've had plenty of people say to me, "Look, like, look, this is a business. I don't need to care about it. I just need to. It just needs to be profitable, and like my clients need to be happy and customer satisfaction. As long as I do that, I can, you know, keep making money." And I'm like, "I guess if you can, if that's the, I guess. I mean, I can't argue with that, but I just wouldn't yeah. want
1: it." Yeah, if that's what you want for your life, right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's sort of like I think about um, people who are doing hospitality consulting, right? Mm-hmm. And so all, all the restaurants shut down. So if you didn't love working with chefs, right. How would you how would you get through this period of no money coming in, but you you're working harder hopefully because you're taking care of your chefs? Right. Right? You're helping, you know, lift them up, inspire them, maybe you're a sounding board for things, you're developing something new for them. Yep. I mean, yeah, I just I, I would just see that business tanking and the person feeling really, really low because they didn't have an emotional connection to their audience. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. You have to, I don't know. I just kind of have to care about them. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Are we just Pollyannas? I think it's no, because I, we, we love the mission-driven aspect of all of I, yeah,
0: it's per, like I know people who do not care about their clients. They don't like their clients. They think they're stupid they you know they don't know how to set up blah blah blah. they're not technical enough they um they make bad decisions but hey they're rich i i know i know people like that and they make tons of money but uh, you know yeah. and they get fulfillment outside of work and i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna sit in judgment of that it's just not for me like i yeah i don't like i my i don't know i just to me there's very little separation i don't i'm not good at separating um, doing what I would call soulless work all day, and then and then at night be in a band or something or like you know go to a soup kitchen and help people there. Like I, I don't think it's wrong. I'm just not that type. I cannot separate like that. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, I'm just definitely not about that sort of sort of I don't know Bruce Wayne that during the day Batman at night. I can't do it.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, some people have to make sacrifices to be able to get the things that they love done. But I think what we're talking about here are people who are creating businesses. So you're leaving gainful employment, Mm -hmm. right, to create this business or you've been running a business for some amount of time. And so when you look at it that way, I just think that because you've taken the risk, of leaving a traditional job, you've left behind the security, and I'm using that in quotes because I'm not sure how secure jobs are anymore. But the security of a regular paycheck, benefits, um, including access to things you you can't get at any price solo. So you're leaving a lot of those things behind. So my view of that always has been: so you should get that much more on the other end in terms of it, it it might be money um but it's also psychic rewards
0: that's a great point
1: we, yeah. we put a lot at risk for this and i think the payoffs should be should be outsized and i don't just yeah it's not just money i mean it might be it might be money for someone mm-hmm. who says you know i'm tired of making all this money for my you know my consulting firm that i'm an employee of i want to go out and do this myself right um but it's also the psychic values of having your own business or having more time or, I mean, whatever that combination of, of psychic benefits is for you.
0: Yeah, that, I never, I mean, that's 100% true, but I've never thought about it explicitly like that, where if you're going to, there's cert, it's exactly what you said. There's certain things that you can't get uh, working for yourself and there are certain, you know, versus like a, full-time you know like a job job but on the other hand there's certain things lots of things you can't get at a job job that you can get uh working for yourself so you Mm -hmm. you should really this is just so it's like water to fish like like to me that's like no kidding but i've never i've never i've never said that to someone i was training for example you like who's you know on the fence between maybe going back and getting a real job or real job going back and working for someone (laughs) versus working for themselves uh, is that's never come up like this for me in the conversation I really should have brought that up in the past like well you know do you get psychic reward do you enjoy whether it's telling people you you know when people say oh where do you work and you say I work for myself like I love saying that Mm -hmm. that like jazzes me for me to say oh I, I work at CVS or you know Google even I'd be like for me, that would be a defeat.
1: <laughs> You'd have so, shame in your voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're I like, work oh, for Google.
0: Right. <laughs> you know, so to not, to kind of, um, anyway, I'm just glad you brought that up. I, I've never, never explicitly pointed those pros and cons out about working for yourself. Because if you're talking to someone who's wavering and it's like, well, if you don't really care and, and you, you're not, um, it's not a downer for you to go back in house, you probably should. Because there's a, if you're not getting the psychic benefits, then pff,
1: Yeah. I mean what there are, are people you who, you know, who think it's a great idea to go out on their own and, and maybe they make all of the right decisions, again, right in quotes. So they're, you know, they have clients, they're, you know, making some money, but they miss something. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's the camaraderie of the water cooler, right. or you know, it's it's something. I, you know, I've had people say when you know they ask what I do, and they say, "So this is before the the pandemic, so you work from home." And I can almost hear it like home because I'm a woman, like, oh, you know, the little woman at home. I can (laughs) almost hear it in their voice. There's a part of me that wants to like cut them off at the ankles, but, but, you know, I'll always throw something out afterwards and, and, but I'm I'm proud of it. I don't take shape. Somebody looks at me like that. That's their problem. Mm. I don't care. I love what I do. And I think how much luckier I am than the person who's like looking down their nose at me when I say that. Right. Mm. So it's all in finding um, the, the real tangible, you know, physical benefits of what you're doing with your mindset about it. Because the mindset is huge in terms of, you know, being an independent and being successful.
0: Right. And that brings it back around to the, the topic here, which is that...
1: What? We're going to go back to the topic?
0: I know, right? <laughs> it's so weird. But it does. it's like that mindset thing. If you can name your big idea know why you get out of bed in the morning, know what you're trying to accomplish, what transformation you're trying to uh, make for your clients or students or patients or whatever they are, then that, that's going to, to use your California term, that's going to energize your psyche. You know, it's (laughs) going to be, that's going to be an uplifting effect on your emotions. It's going to be non, non non-monetary reward and lots of it. Um, it And maybe monetary reward too, but there's the additional psychic reward of like just like feeling great Mm -hmm. and so having that that um having that clearly articulated takes away this sluggishness it's like this um it's like a drag on your on your investment of time and money so like as you're investing time and money in marketing or serving your clients or all of these things you're trying to do the more the, the less clear your big idea is the more drag there's going to be the more waste there's going to be it's going to feel like you know you're trying to drive down the highway but the roof is down and there's towels hanging out of the windows and it's like (laughs) something holding you back and then just like if you can streamline that one thing that like the big idea you know maybe through this exercise then you just like you'd be like zooming
1: well yeah and I I think of the um, you know saving kids from drowning that's, I mean, if you're in business, you might go, oh, well, yeah, somebody in not-for-profit, they're doing that. Like, that's really something. But you can do it for business as well. And one of my favorite for businesses is is building beloved companies. hmm Beloved. Right. Think about that. Making a company beloved. And the person who uses that, it's absolutely is core of everything that they do. Mm-hmm. And the fact you notice it says companies plural, this is a person who would not go back inside because it's it would be too small. Mm-hmm. It's not creating beloved companies one at a time from yep. the inside taking years. It's from right. the outside working with the CEO to make major change in a small, relatively small space of time. Right. So it's finding that I, I think that it's helpful if there's emotion in it for for you and if you're going to use it publicly for your audience. But when you're playing with the words, it should have emotion for you. And yep. then you want to make it resonate with your ideal audience.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's okay. I agree. I feel like we're both biased in that way, though. Like, I don't think it's right or wrong, but I, I agree. I want it to be emotional. I want it to be visceral when I'm working with someone like like, mm-hmm. you know, because I work with a lot of developers and they like to abstract everything. You know, they want it to be like. Yeah, it's not know.
1: about the feeling.
0: Right. It's not about feelings. Are you kidding me? We're all Mr. Spock. So <laughs> <laughs> feelings. What are those? So I, I but it, for me, it just crackles. It it feels like fireworks when you can bring the emotion to it. That's why I love your, your action verb that when you, you called that action verb. To me, that's like a big, big improvement over uh, just the word help. Mm -hmm. You know, so I I think it's, let's put it like this, whether it suits you or not, it's really effective when it crackles with emotion like that. Because people, like the save kids from drowning thing, it just like grabs you. Yeah, You're just like, oh my God.
1: Well, and and for people who, you know, like data and proof, you know, there's plenty of data that will show you that when you appeal to the marketing data, when you Mm. appeal to the emotions of your audience, You sell more. You connect more. You engage more. People buy on emotion. And that includes people who buy software development. And Mm -hmm. it just it just does. It's how we make them feel and how we make them feel might be just complete trust that this person knows what they're doing and is going to come in on time and on budget. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, it's going to work as well. Right, <laughs> I should state, state that because that's, that's you know, one of the big, one of the big ones. Yeah. But it's when you, when you can convert it into something that feels emotional, um, it will make a difference with your audience. Even if you're not the emotional type, you're like, you know, I don't, I don't really think about feelings. Don't care about that. Don't really want to go there. Um, <laughs> when you can create that in your, audience or your potential client, they feel attracted to you, to what you're selling. And, and it's it's a bonding experience, too, which you may not want. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, it, it is a bonding experience because it's showing that you care about their outcomes and how they feel about their outcomes.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to bring another topic into this, but maybe for another day we can talk about my heck yeah headlines concept where... <laughs> You know, even if you aren't emotional about it, you want your, the people reading your website to be emotional. You want them to read your headline and be like, heck, yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <right. laughs> and your language is so much cleaner than mine. I like that. Heck, yeah. It's <laughs> good.
0: Cool. Okay, so we've been rambling for a while, so we should probably wrap it up. But I, <laughs> I, I love this exercise. I'm so glad you sent out this email. It's It's already improved my big idea at least my articulation of it my name Uh, yay so cool so hopefully the dear listener has had the same experience
1: (laughs) I love how you said that
0: (laughs) all right folks that's it for this week I'm Jonathan Stark
1: and I'm Rochelle Moulton
0: and we hope you join us again next time for the business of authority bye
1: Bye bye-bye